Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. And failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Yeah, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Is that a great? That's good to hear. Hey, before I get too far in, today we have communion that we're going to be taking together. So we do have the elements back at the table here by the uh, center doors here just to the side. So if you didn't get them yet, now's a great time to go grab them. I believe today we'll be doing that following the sermon. One other thing, if you're new here, if it's your first time here, we do have a gift for you. If you go out these center doors, bags is a gift with you as well. We just look forward to uh, meeting people and really diving into knowing and getting connected more with you. Hey, if you want to lo- uh, know how to support Awana America, our Awana Penny Challenge has begun. So you got to ask an Awana kid, if you're in Awana, raise your hands. We have some, some here, some there. So you can ask them how you can help give. Uh, the goal for this year is to raise $1,000, and this is going to be continuing. We're going to continue to collect through March. Ladies, we got a couple things for you this morning. We have the ladies' game night. It's going to be held Friday, February 9th at 6 p.m. in the multi-purpose room. Uh, come join in. For the fun, bring a game along, your favorite game, and also bring your favorite snack along. You don't need to RSVP, but if you have any questions or need any more details, you can see Brenda Leibengut or Sammy McCullough. One more thing for the ladies, and you got to take action soon because it's starting up um, this Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, the ladies' Bible study is going to begin again Tuesday morning. This Tuesday, February 6th, from 9 through 11 a.m. in the multi-purpose room. Heather Book will be teaching on the study entitled Throne Room Confidence uh, on the subject of prayer. The study only costs $5 a person. You can sign up online, or if you're having trouble figuring that out, you can send an email in to the office. But you got to sign up real soon because they got to get the books ordered. Uh, before Tuesday. So you definitely want to get signed up as soon as you can because February 6th is coming soon. Mark your calendars for the youth spaghetti dinner. This is going to take place February 24th from 4 to 7 p.m. There's lots of areas that we need help. One of them is donation of the foods. Uh, If you've seen uh, a table out here, you've seen ingredients, you've seen noodles, you've seen sauce showing up. Uh, there's a Sign Up Genius link that's been sent out in the weekly email that you can see what all we still are in need of. Uh, we need homemade desserts. Uh, 
if food is not an area you want to help with, you can always reach out and let me know, hey, I'm willing to help the day of. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together, my Jesus. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty Praise to the King, 
Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Good morning, everybody. We traveled back in time to 1993 there. <laughs> I love that song. Uh, now we're going to go back forward to 2023. And this is going to be a new song to um, probably many of you. So feel free to join in when you feel comfortable with it. It's not my worship that makes you worthy, God, you were always good. With or without my song, you're still holy, God, you were always good. And I can't help, hallelujah, I've got to let it out. You're never needing my voice to cry holy till I get to say you're good. With my whole heart, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. It's not my worship that makes you worthy, God, you were always good. With or without my song, you're still holy, God, you were always good. If I had 10,000 tongues, I still couldn't say enough. You're never needing my gifts to be worthy till I get to say you're good. With my whole heart, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. With my whole heart, Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, I get to sing it forever, louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me, hallelujah in the highest. You are good. Your 
goodness has been, your goodness will be. Your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest. You are good. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be. Your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest. You are good. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be. Your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest. You are good. With my whole heart, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. With my whole heart, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. Your goodness has been your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Your goodness has been, your goodness will be, your goodness has never depended on me. Hallelujah in the highest. Hallelujah in the highest. Hallelujah in the highest. Hallelujah in the highest. With my whole heart, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. I get to sing it forever. Louder I sing hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. I wanted to share just uh, something before I have a time of prayer here this morning. Um, some of you know and some of you probably don't, but one of the missionaries that we support uh, in Thailand are Ben and Susie Collins, and um, Susie uh, has had some medical concerns that have required a med medical emergency to come back to the United States. Uh, she has been here for a little while, um, and uh, really the next four to six months she'll be on a medical leave, but is intending to, uh, now that she's doing a little better, to get back to Thailand to be with the family. Um, so be praying for them in this. Um, with the travel, there is quite a significant expense as well. Um, I think it was about $10,000 to come across the, the ocean with her and another person accompanied her. But uh, so then she's going back. So I'll be praying with us as we consider how we might be able to, to help them as well. So um, won't you join me in prayer um, as we uh, think about them and as we continue in worship. Father, we thank you that, uh, that you have raised up the Collins and that they've Submitted themselves, Lord, to your call. We know in the midst of serving you, there are many challenges. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, 
you will undertake with the needs that are there and that uh, Susie will recover and, and do well. We pray, Lord, in the midst of all of the turmoil that this brings in the family, for your peace and comfort to be strengthening them. And we pray, Lord, for the supply that's needed for their cost as well. Thank you, Father, that uh, you hear our prayers. Thank you that you're with them. And so, Lord, uh, guide us now as we continue in that thought that you are with us, that your promises are ours to claim in Christ, and that we might live in that truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Boys and girls, uh, dismiss for Children's Church. Well, today we're starting a new series um, in the book of 2 Peter. And uh, you might say, well, why, why study 2 Peter? Well, why study any book of the Bible? I mean, when you get right down to it, right? Because it is the Word of God. Uh, if you were here in Sunday school this morning with, with Brian Nickel, you know that he talked about the, uh, the Word of God being that, the Word of God. It is the inspired Word of God, and he has preserved it. We have it. And uh, as we read and study it, it is for our uh, coming to know him, uh, but also then for our growth and uh, sanctification uh, to be all that he wants us to be. So uh, as we look into this portion of Scripture, it's like any time we look into any portion of Scripture, that we are desiring to live uh, by the Word of God and by the way, by the whole counsel of God. Uh, you know, we encouraged you this year to consider reading through the Bible um, and um, I'm, I'm doing that. Some others I know are doing that. And one of the things that I find by doing that, it does give me perspective. It gives me awareness, I guess I could say, of the whole counsel of God. You know, um, it's, it's dangerous. Um, it's dangerous, of course, when we maybe take one little portion of Scripture, and you've seen people do that, and kind of make something out of it that doesn't really fit with the rest of what the Bible says. That's very dangerous. You know, we need to interpret the Scriptures and study the Scriptures in light of all that God has said to us, and so important to be studying all and looking at all of the books of the Bible. And so since 2 Peter is a smaller book, uh, written later, I mean, than most of the New Testament books, it can be overlooked at times. Uh, many times you might study 1 Peter and then don't finally get time to get on to the second book. Uh, so... The question might be, well, why do I want us to spend time in 2 Peter? As I was thinking through where to go next while I was uh, going through the study on Hebrews, I, I did consider kind of a normal way, you know, I've been here in the New Testament and maybe a good time to maybe shift over to the Old Testament for a study from there, or, or maybe to move into, as we head into Lent, something from the Gospels. I mean, all those things were going through my mind as trying to determine what was next, and, and somehow... And I'm not trying to say that this was some mystical experience, but just somehow, you know, I thought, I think we should consider Second Peter. I, I really do believe that there had been some devotional thoughts that I'd been involved in at times that had brought me to that book. Uh, I can't recall all of that. But, but every time I try to go elsewhere and think, well, let's go by my reason here to get to these other spots, this would come back to my mind. So here we are, okay? I've decided we're in it. We're going to be in this uh, until Palm Sunday. All right, so uh, this will take us through that, that amount of time. And I, I think you'll find it uh, very enriching. Um, and as I mentioned, it is God's Word. It will be used of Him to teach us, and it will guide us 
into truth and holiness. Um, at this point, I certainly could do what many times we do when we're entering a new book, and that is share with you a lot of background information on this letter and an overview of what it teaches. But, but I'm not going to do that right now because all of those things will come out as we study the passage. So I want to get right into it today, and we're going to be in the first four verses of 2 Peter 1. But I will say, as uh, the title of this series gives, uh, the focus throughout will be living in the true knowledge of God. And we will see even today and throughout this book um, that we have been given knowledge of God by God, and that leads us to gain more knowledge of God. So our knowledge of God is essential to life here and also for eternity. And it's knowledge that is not just informational, but transformational. Our knowledge of God comes as a result of his grace to make himself known to us. So the first message in this series is what we have received from God. And so in this greeting of these first four verses we're looking at today, uh, Peter encourages us with the wonderful position we are in. And so let's get right into this book by reading these first four verses of chapter one from the New Living Translation. And uh, you'll see it on the screen or you can follow along in whatever you're using, uh, your, your, your device or your Bible in your hand uh, as we look at this uh, passage. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Well, this is a letter, and so we begin the letter with a greeting. And the greeting that gives the information of who the author is and, and who is writing and why. The author, of course, it says here clearly, is Simon Peter. Very significant that he uses both names. All right, if you remember much about Peter, you remember that when Jesus first met him and called him to be his disciple, his name was Simon, all right? But then Jesus gave him the name Peter, or Cephas in Greek, meaning rock, right? And, and when times we read about Peter as he's walking with Jesus, we often wonder why Jesus would have given him that name. He didn't seem real steady sometimes, right? Okay, but Jesus saw something in Peter he didn't see in himself where no one else did. And that's another whole message. That's a great thought for us all, though, isn't it? That Jesus sees in us what we really don't see about ourselves. And he comes to make that which God had intended to be possible and true as we receive him as our Savior. That certainly became true for Peter. This is the apostle Peter, okay? Matter of fact, he says that, right? He says, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, just some quick thoughts about Peter as we know him through the Gospels. But uh, the apostle 
Peter had been a fisherman, like many of the uh, disciples that Jesus called. Um, matter of fact, we know that uh, the story is very clear that Peter had been out fishing all night. Remember that story? Didn't catch any fish. Jesus shows up on the shore. Peter doesn't really know who he is, but he says, cast your net to the other side, and, and, and Peter somehow does it. <laughs> doesn't say, oh, what do you know? I mean, he did say, hey, we've been fishing all night. We don't have anything. Okay. But then he did it, and then he was amazed. And Jesus, of course, used that situation as the calling of Peter to follow him, and he left his nets with others and, and followed Christ. Uh, Peter was, of the apostles, the most outspoken, who often put his foot in his mouth. You remember, he did some great things, and what he said, uh, Jesus was asking who people were saying he was, and people were saying, you know, Elijah and different names and different things, and and Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus says, wow, yeah, that's, that's not you, Peter, talking. You've been given that word from God himself. And, and uh, so celebrated that. And just a few verses later, we read where Jesus reveals that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem and he's going to suffer under many things and he's going to die and be resurrected. And, and Peter says, no, Lord, that's not possible. We're not going to let that happen. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Wow. So there's a lot of ups and downs with Peter throughout his walking with Christ. But you know, Peter was pretty significant, wasn't he? I mean, he was one of the big three. <laughs> one of the three that went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, which we'll talk about because he's going to write about this in this letter. Right. But he also was uh, the only one of the disciples that walked on water. You know, we say, well, he went under. Yeah, but he was the only one that got out and did it. That was pretty significant. Yeah. But after the resurrection, well, let me back up just a minute. Peter also was the one that we have recorded that verbally denied knowing Christ. Now, the rest of the disciples were had disappeared as well. But we have that recording. Three times, and Jesus had predicted it, right? That three times he would deny him before the cock crowed. And, and he did, and he wept, and it was overwhelming, and he had failed. And he was back to fishing. And one of my favorite passages is John 21, where Jesus shows up on the beach and serves breakfast to the group that's out there fishing again. They're kind of going back to what they'd done after the resurrection. Three times Jesus talks to Peter. Yeah, do you love me? Three times, three times Peter had denied Jesus. Three times Jesus says, Peter, I got something for you to do. Feed my sheep. We're reading in this letter what Jesus had told him to do. <laughs> Think about that as we read it together, right? Peter is living out the restoration that Jesus brought into his life. That, that he became the leader of the church, really. I mean, he was the one that spoke the message clearly at Pentecost after the Holy Spirit had come upon them. 
3,000 plus were saved that day. He, uh, he became the evangelist taking the gospel. In some ways, as many of the disciples, kind of against where he thought he would end up. <laughs> and tradition says that uh, Peter was crucified, or in Nero's term, and uh, tradition says that Peter refused to be crucified like Jesus was, but was upside down. We sense that humility in Peter as he writes this letter. This one who was so boisterous and quick to speak and kind of out in front says, hey, this is Simon Peter writing to you. The only reason I'm different now is because Jesus made it so. That's our testimony too, isn't it? We might not have two names, but we can say that Christ has come into our lives. This is Glenn. This is Mary. This is whoever. And I'm who I am, not because I'm so sharp and smart, but because Jesus has changed my life. That's what Peter wants them to know. He says that first, and then he says he is a slave and apostle. Same kind of idea. He doesn't say apostle first. <laughs> I mean, he could have come on and said, now, you need to listen to me because I'm one of the original 12, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, I have all these credentials, and, and, and you know, we, we did all these things, and you never saw Jesus, but I have, and I've been with him, and you need to listen to me. Uh, that's not God's way, is it? God's servants serve. <laughs> Peter was writing to a people because it was God's calling on him to do so. And he saw himself as a slave of Jesus. He wasn't the only one that saw himself that way. It's the book of Romans. In that book and in the book of Ephesians, Paul speaks of all true believers being slaves of Christ. Lord, that means that if we're really Him, it's we give up ourselves, our own desires, our own ways, and follow Him. That's what following Jesus is, right? That's what it's not just saying, "Oh, I want all the benefits from Jesus," and so then I'll just kind of do what I want. Matter of fact, one of the issues that will come out in this book and as many of the New Testament letters is what is called Gnosticism, a false teaching. And, and it was kind of the idea Gnostic, and you know, Gnostic comes from the Greek knowledge, okay? And so it was like, okay, you can have knowledge of spiritual things, but then you can kind of live your physical life however you want, okay? You know, we, we have this relationship with God through our knowledge, through our heads, but, you know, then in this life, you know, the flesh and the mind are separate, and so we can kind of live out the flesh and do all kind of things but still be okay through our mind and our knowledge. If anybody tries to sell you that one, be careful. I, I think it's still around. I think there are still people who say, oh, yeah, I'm okay with God, and then you look at their lifestyle. What's wrong with that? Well, if God's there, don't you think he might look a little different than that? Yeah, 
Now, I know we all fail. I mean, you might say, oh, pastor, don't say that. I, you know, I'm still struggling with some stuff. Well, so am I, too. But I have no excuse to say, that's just the way it is. And really, I'm okay when God wants to do some changes in my life, and I need to let him do it. That's what the slave idea is, right? I'm serving him. He is my priority, and I am his servant. Even if my position is apostle or pastor or bishop or whatever else you want to call, watch out for those who like to proclaim their positions too. That can come out a little weird. Peter's not doing that. Peter's saying, hey, I'm a slave of Jesus first, but I'm also apostle, and that was significant. Brian was talking about that this morning in his class, you know, about the fact that uh, many times people try to uh, broaden that term, but it was a very specific term. And particularly with Peter, I mean, he was one of the original 12. And that's really what the apostle word means, those who were with Jesus. You can study that more or talk to Brian. He'll be glad to give you his lesson for today. <laughs> Peter does not promote himself in this greeting does show great humility. It's been about 30 years since the ascension. It's been about 30 years since Pentecost. And he's writing this letter. Think about yourself 30 years ago. Some of you aren't old enough. <laughs> you weren't even a thought in your mother's mind. But yeah, others of us have been around a lot longer than that. Yeah. But 30 years is a long time, isn't it? What were you doing 30 years ago? Who, what did you look like? How was your life in the Lord? Probably a lot different than now. I mean, you might have been, you might, I mean, I was a saved Christian 30 years ago. I was even pastoring 30 years ago. But I can assure you that I'm not the same as I was 30 years ago. A lot of changes have taken place. Well, that's going to be true about Peter. <laughs> He's a lot different. He certainly was much different at Pentecost, but he's still a lot different now. I mean, he's had all kinds of experiences, and he's, he really is a seasoned leader. Um, this book is written not too much before, probably, he was crucified. So he comes to the people, and he says to them, I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. Now that's a very significant word from Peter after he declares who he is. Because Peter is a Jewish believer. Right? All the original apostles, disciples were Jewish. Right? And Certainly, when Pentecost took place, everybody that heard the gospel were there to celebrate a Jewish festival. <laughs> okay. And so the church, as it began, was basically Jewish. We just come through the book of Hebrews where he was writing, actually, to a Jewish Christian fellowship in Rome. That's still a lot of that. But, but this letter is most likely to a mainly Gentile group of people in Asia Minor. So the Jewish leader Peter is writing to Gentile believers, and one of the big deals, of course, in the early church 
was, is there a difference? <laughs> is there a difference between being a Jewish believer and a Gentile believer? And do Gentile believers kind of have to become Jewish in some form in order for their really to have the true faith? Paul writes about it in Galatians. Says, you know, he, matter of fact, he's saying, you foolish Galatians. I mean, why are you going back to these Jewish ideas when that's not what saved you? Jesus saved you. And so Peter is clearly saying to the believers that he's writing to who are Gentiles, hey, we have the same faith, right? We have the same faith. Even though I'm an apostle, he's saying, even though I walk with Jesus, my salvation is the same as yours, and yours is the same as mine. There, the position we have with Christ and with God through Christ is the same. I have people say to me, oh, pastor, you need to pray for me because you have a better line than I do. Baloney. Yeah. We all, if we're truly trusting Christ, have the same access. We have the same connection. We have the same provisions from God. Regardless of our background, regardless of our status in society, regardless of anything. You believe that, friend. Because if you don't, you need to. Because that's what the Word of God is telling us. Yeah. You are not second class. And you're not first class. You're just in. And thank God. Right? Everyone needs Christ in the same way. All of us are lost sinners without Him. But all of us are saved and forgiven people for eternity with Him. Peter didn't always think that. Even after Pentecost. Kind of a great revelation to us as we see the Holy Spirit coming. But you know, God is continually working, and that's what this letter is all about, in us as believers to become more and more all that he wants us to be. And that was true is in the life of Peter. Peter had the Holy Spirit come. He'd been used by God in powerful ways, even performed miracles. I mean, amazing things were happening. But we get to Acts chapter 10. And Peter is taking a nap up on a roof, and he has a dream, a vision, and it's of a sheet, and it's filled with all kind of animals, and he hears this word to take and eat, enjoy what's on there. Well, there's stuff on there that the Jews aren't supposed to eat from legal precedent, okay? And Peter says, oh, no, I've never eaten anything like that. I'm not going to do that. And the voice says, do not call unclean what God has made clean. Now, why did that happen? Well, I'm glad it happened because I do like eating shellfish and I like eating pork and I like eating those things. So it's one of my favorite passages, okay? Eat anything you want. Okay, it's good. All right. All right. But, but, but that's not the point we need to get to today, all right? All right. <laughs> it happened because God was moving in the Gentile world and he was bringing to him some servants from Cornelius that wanted Peter to go back and talk to Cornelius, a Roman soldier and leader, about the gospel who eventually did accept Christ. And we don't know all the details of how that impacted others, but we do know that God was at work 
and he was taking the gospel to the Gentiles. So Peter learned a lesson way back then, changed his mind. We, we read later that, that he kind of got a little off track again. Paul writes and says, hey, Peter, he, matter of fact, he kind of uh, rebukes Peter in one situation where he says, uh, what happened to you, Peter? I mean, now you're moving over and just eating with the Jews again. All the Gentiles think they're kind of outcast. I mean, that, that's my own revised version. But, but anyway, that's what happened. So, I mean, hey, we're all growing. But he's got it here. <laughs> he's got it here 30 years later, and he's saying, hey, this gospel is the same for all of us. You're all in the same position. Peter knew from firsthand experience that the gospel was for all people. And he says to them that this precious faith we all have that's the same for all of us was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ and Savior, our Lord. The faith is precious because it is given to us. Certainly, there's a tension in Scripture that we all wrestle with that, yes, we, we need to receive Christ. We need to open our lives to him. We need to make a decision to believe. And, and, and faith is believing and trusting. But he's saying here that this faith has been given to us. Do you get that? The faith has been giving, given to us. So, so our faith even our faith, even the ability to believe, even the encouragement to believe, even the, the uh, guidance to make that decision is a gift of God. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 2.8. He says, you can't take credit for believing, for it is a gift from God. God has saved us by his grace, and that which we do not deserve is that which we cannot earn. It was given to us. By his grace, <laughs> by his grace. I, I, I don't really fully understand it, friends. I, I do know that we have responsibility to make a choice. The Bible very clearly says, whosoever will may come. <laughs> you know, if anyone comes to the Lord, right, it says what? That famous passage, John 3, 16, Forever who, for whoever believes in him will not perish but have but in God's mercy and grace, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except the Father calls them to himself. So your coming to know Christ is by the grace of God. Your coming to know Christ is because he has given you insights that you wouldn't have had on your own. You were lost, you were dead, you were deaf, you were blind. You ever seen a dead, lost, dead, a blind, deaf person do anything? That <laughs> No, I mean, you can't do anything. You're dead. We need God's grace even to come to know him. God has given us these things that we will know him. He has not left us on our own. That's the wonder of the gospel. It's not that we have made a religion where we find our way to God. It's that God, this is the wonder of the gospel. 
There's nothing like it. Other religions are anywhere near this idea. Religions are, God, are men's desire and, and uh, attempts to find God. The gospel is God's determination that we will know Him. He has done it all on our behalf. Hallelujah. We sang it this morning, right? <laughs> He's still good, <laughs> right? Hallelujah. He is the good one. And it says here that this was given to us, that, that this precious faith we have, this faith was given to us because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Now, it's very significant here throughout the book of Peter that whenever he talks about, Second Peter, whenever he talks about God here in this book, he really is talking about Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, which is very essential in the time he's writing. We've just come through that with Hebrews, and there's a similarity here in timing, okay? And in Hebrews, remember, it was so important that everyone realized and understood that the God of the Old Testament is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus was at work in the Old Testament, and he is the fulfillment of all that has been promised in the Old Testament, and he is God. He's not just God the Son even though he is, he's, that's his position, but he is almighty God. There is nothing he cannot do. He is eternal. All of the characteristics of the eternal God are in Christ. Okay, and So Peter is making that clear to those he's writing to. And he's saying that Jesus as God and by his justice and fairness, some translations say righteousness, maybe yours, says that, but it's, that can be, um, we know that Jesus is perfect and righteous, and certainly he's able to do what he did for us because he is perfect and righteous, but really what Peter's getting at here is this gift, this giving part of God, that it is God's justice and fairness in Christ. And so the character of God is what assures the believer faith in Jesus is secure and complete for our salvation. You see, God is just and demands justice. And so justice can only be provided for the one who has broken the law, you and me, by a perfect sacrifice. So the justice of Christ has come to us, right? His justice becomes ours. That's a gift of God. Yeah. But it's also fair. It's fair. How is it fair? It's fair because all who will believe are included. <laughs> You will never be able to say to God, you have been unfair to me. Matter of fact, read Romans 1. No one will be without excuse at the last day. There are people who hold their finger up and say that, God, you are not fair. You should do things differently. Who are you to tell him? <laughs> that he's God, right? But he is fair. And he does everything right. And you can trust him in that. And you can trust him and feel secure because in his fairness, he does not say, well, let's see here, you know, you don't have the, uh, the right 
genetic background, and so therefore you don't quite qualify for my salvation. Nah. Have you been created by God? Sure you have. You wouldn't be here if that weren't the case. So all of those people that he has created are those that he loves. And all of you are those that he gave his son for. And whoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It is for all people. So when you're with people this week that are not believers, guess what? That salvation's for them too. None of us are in some kind of a special position where we're better than anybody else. We are slaves of Jesus. We are whoever our name is. We know who we've been, but we also know who we are. But that's not exclusive to us because that same transformation is available to all who will believe. Hallelujah. And that's the answer to all of the world's issues. <laughs> A changed life. And so because of Christ, What's been accomplished by Jesus, the fact that he has satisfied all that a holy God demands and has fairly brought that to all who believe, that those who have believed are in a wonderful, amazing, loving relationship with the God who created you. This precious faith brings us to a place where we can go on to all that God has for us. So Peter continues his greeting now with a prayer in verse 2. Wow, that was all verse 1. Woo! All right. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. That's <laughs> a great prayer. E even though we are saved and all have the same relationship with God through faith in Christ, our sanctification is not complete. We have now been brought into a relationship with God and have already been fully accepted, but we are not yet home. And so we need to grow in our knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as our salvation comes through faith, so does our growth. You don't achieve it by grunting. <laughs> I mean, it does require maybe some determinal determination and grunts, but it's not by our own determination. It's by our determination to trust in what he can do, right? It is God who gives us more grace and peace. We come to him to provide what we need for our growth. We pray, we read the word, and there are no shortcuts, friends. <laughs> it's the same for every believer, one of the benefits that I have in being a pastor is that it demands that I study the Word of God. <laughs> and I say that with all sincerity. It is a benefit that I have. But it's not an exclusive benefit. Because if all of us study the Word of God, whether you're a pastor or not, the benefits are there. The growth will come. But there's no shortcuts. We're not going to give you a card when you leave today and say, okay, carry this card with you and everything will be smooth. A famous Christian charge card or whatever it might be. <laughs> no. Growth is the same for all of us. 
And we all need to be in the Word of God. We all need to be praying. This is our way to communicate. And God has made it possible because He has given us a relationship with Himself through what He did at the cross. And so we have been given a relationship with Him, but it's not fully complete on this side of heaven. And so we're in the process of growth. And if we're not growing, it's really weird. If you have a child that has a growth problem, it's quite concerning. You take them to the doctor. You do whatever you can to try to deal with that. Well, we're children of God. (laughs) And if we're not growing, there's something wrong. And so Peter's saying, hey, folks, I'm praying, first of all, that you will grow in the grace and peace that God provides. Then he's going to talk about how we do that. Because he gives instruction here. Let me back up a minute. I missed that one thing. Thank you. Notice that he says here that as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, even though I say, and it's true, that we have a part in this and we make decisions, we can get into it confidently. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do this and maybe it'll happen. You notice what he says? He prays in this passage that it's a given as you grow, (laughs) right? Notice the, the words there. As you grow, it's not like if you grow. All right, you have come into God's family and you are in the position to grow and you will grow. Now, some will grow quicker than others because they'll spend more time in the Word. I mean, it happens. We're not all at the same place that way. We're all at the same place as far as our acceptance with God and our relationship with Him and all the potential we have. Okay, we're all at the same place that way. But we're all at different levels as far as age or growth. I mean, you know, I've seen people, and I really believe it's true, right, that that have been a Christian for a long time but really haven't grown much. And probably their spiritual age is still kind of down here somewhere. Doesn't mean they can't move on. He's saying you can. So don't say, well, I can't do it. That's what I'm getting at here. There's a confidence here that we are to be confident believers that we will grow in the knowledge of Jesus and to take on the things that he's given us so that will be true. So now Peter begins to give instruction on how to grow in our knowledge of God and Jesus. And that's where we get to verse 3. And again, this is very clear as we read this, that it's like, okay, yeah, we do have what we need. Did you get how he writes it? He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Kind of get back to that no excuse idea, doesn't it? If God has given me everything I need to live a godly life, then you know what I have? Everything I need to live a godly life. Duh. (laughs) Pastor, that was so deep. Okay. All right. (laughs) No, we don't need to be deep. We need to just be doing, and then it'll go deep. All right. Yeah. Because the Lord, we do, we need to, you know, the Lord wants us to be deeper with him. But sometimes we kind of overdo it in that regard and don't do the basic things. And so he clarifies what God has given us. He's given us everything we need for a godly life. And um, 
we have confidence in him that what he does is right. And we have all we need because we've come to know him through faith in Christ. That's the first part, so important. We're recipients because he called us. He's done all for us. He's able to do so because of who he is. And Jesus is God. He's done it all. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. This is the same one that's at work in us. We have the most powerful being ever, the eternal God, providing our salvation, calling us into his family, and then giving us faith to believe, and then providing all that we need to live a life to please him. Wow. Amazing. And so what is our proper response? But praise, worship, and surrender. But that's not all. Because he says, because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises, he says, that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. All right, we have these great and precious promises. Where do you find them? You know where they are? Under a rock in your backyard? If I see you out back digging this week, I'm going to say, cut it out. (laughs) You know where they are, right? They're in the Word. Well, I hope that phone still works. They're in the Word. Great and precious promises. Because of His glory and excellence, because how wonderful He is, because of all the the majesty that's beyond our full comprehension, he has given us insights. He has given us perspective. He has given us promises that we can put our feet down on with confidence. And it says that these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. I hope as you read the Word of God that you do look for His great and precious promises. That's a good way to read the Scriptures, okay? Matter of fact, we've talked about different ways and processes, and one of them is the uh, um, inductive method, you know, where you, you read the passage and you say, okay, what does it say, all right? You know, what are the words here? That's kind of what we do on Sunday morning. We're talking about what, what does it say? All right, and then then what's it mean? Okay, you know what what is the meaning of this? And and that's interpreting the scriptures. That's thinking about what else God has said in His Word, and and maybe reading from a a, a, a educated commentator to kind of help you get some insight. That's all okay. What does it mean? But then there's a third question, and that is, what does it mean for me? What's it mean for me today? And don't you find that I find it, as I'm reading the Scriptures, if I'm really wanting to hear what God's promises are for me today, He does show me. Because not only do we have the Word of God, you also have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, leads us into all truth. Right? So the Spirit of God lives in you as you have come to know Christ. And He lives in you how, how often? All the time. <laughs> now, we are not always listening to Him, and we're not always letting Him be all He wants to be in our lives. But when we do, and when we're open, and when we're reading the Word of God, He will help us understand, and He'll show us the promises. Haven't you had it happen? You're reading that passage. You probably know it already. And then all of a sudden, 
There's something right there for you right now. Yeah. You know what I do? If I'm using my phone, which is down here on the floor now, which I do use, the Bible app, and um, if I'm using this, then uh, there's a way where I just, I, I just put my finger on there and, and I can highlight it. Yeah, it has all kinds of different colors I can put on there too. You know, sometimes blue, sometimes yellow. I mean, if you're really qu quite organized, you can have reasons for your colors. I, I'm not quite that organized. I just highlight it. But I also, and you've heard me say this before, I mean, I'll, I'll use a devotional book throughout the year many times. And, and if something really stands out to me in that passage of Scripture, I'll write right next to that. Okay, this is what the Lord was giving to me today in the midst of whatever I'm looking at. And as I look about that the next year, it's kind of like, I forgot about that situation. But the promises met me right there. And that gives me confidence that today the freshness of the promises are going to be there too. I don't have to live on the old stuff because <laughs> the living, this is the living word of God, right? Whether it's here or here. By the way, it's still the word of God if it's on your phone. Okay? So some people have trouble with that. Don't. don't. Okay. We have the word. And isn't it interesting that he says that these promises will enable us to share his divine nature. You want to become more like God. I hope you do. If you know God, you're going to want to become more like him because you realize becoming more like you isn't doing too well. And if you don't know that, ask somebody else, maybe your husband or wife, right? <laughs> we, you know, and the Lord puts that in our hearts, doesn't he? I mean, once we come to know him, we, we, know, we know that we're loved, we know that we're accepted, but we also know that there's still more to be done. Yeah, a true Christian is never going to say, I got it all figured out. A true Christian is going to say, and isn't it true, the longer we live in the Lord, we realize how much more needs to be done. You think it kind of be the other way. I got it now. No, we're still in need. And that's the walk with the Lord. That's that humility. That's that, that submission. And so we need his promises, though, to help us become like him. His promises tell us how. His promises show us the way. His promises give us confidence. His promises guide our minds. And we're renewed by the, the transforming of our minds. And that happens as we read the Word of God. And, and His promises are so essential. we got to be in the Word. And the Word's got to be in us. But not only does the Word of God change us to become more like God and to participate in His divine nature, but it also says that it helps us to escape the world's corruption. Matter of fact, it also says why the world's corrupted. You notice that? It says to escape the world's corruption caused by political action. Doesn't say that. Right. Caused by the evil people in this world. Well, it kind of does say that. But you know who the evil people are? All of us. <laughs> it says human desire, human behavior, human Perversion, basically, is a responsibility for what is happening in the corruption of the world. Dear friends, the philosophies of this world don't really necessarily believe that. They believe that everybody's just wonderful. <laughs> it doesn't really kind of pan out too well when everybody's not wonderful. But everybody can be wonderful. We live by the precious promises of God. 
living by the promises of God, standing on the promise, old hymn, right? Standing on the promises. Yeah, it's an old one. But, you know, if we live by the promises of God, we have the promise here from what the Word of God says as Peter writes it, that we will become more like God and that we will escape the world's corruption. It is so easy to be influenced by the negative things of this world. We can find ourselves, even as Christians, starting to think weird things and, and, and have perspectives that are not godly. Got to stay in the Word. Got to let the Spirit of God help change us because we can kind of get off track. But the Spirit of God will bring us back as we stay in His Word. And by the way, those two things go together, by the way. All right? The Spirit of God will never tell you anything that the Word of God does not say. And the Word of God will never tell you anything that's not in line with the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is the author of the Word of God. Sometimes people get off on things, and we're going to be talking about false teachings. And so that's so important to remember. And it's so important that both are together. Because if you're only into the Word of God, you can become very legalistic. But if you're only into the Spirit of God, you can become very emotional. But together, you have the life that God intends for you to have. A balanced, focused, growing life becoming more like Him and having victory over the corruption of the world. Young people, wake up over here. Okay, some of you are asleep. Okay. I, I, somebody told me they were tired. I said, well, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity for a nap today, so that's good. They're all shook up now. I, my pastor after us. But, you know, I think it's so important to think um, – when you are at a point in your life, and it's really true for all of us to some degree, but I'm specifically thinking about younger people right now who are in the midst of education, in the midst of being trained, in the midst of growing up, all right? And, and some of you are in college, some of you are heading off to college, and there's all kind of the world's corruption in those situations, all right? Uh, I went to college at a secular college in the early 70s. All right, which I know some of you can't believe anybody's still alive that long. But, but, you know, the early 70s, if you do a historical search, it was not a great time. I mean, it was the end of Vietnam. There was all kind of protests. The whole civil rights movement was going on. It was all kind of turmoil among people. I mean, we were concerned that we were going to get blown up by a nuclear bomb. The Cold War was strong. I mean, it was not a good time. And you can say, Pastor, well, it's not a good time now. And I agree. Always been crazy stuff going on. In this world. But I know that the key to my survival through college was not because, because I didn't go to a Christian college, okay? I, and I'm, I'm not against Christian college. My kids went to Christian college, okay? But I'm for it. But the key is not where you go to school. The key is where you go daily in your life. I was challenged by a pastor to read my Bible and study it every day, and I did. It wasn't because I'm such a great person, it was because I was so needy, and I still am. Okay. And the Lord provided me with fellowship with other believers in a circumstance that was far from godly. So 
I just want to say, when you're in elementary school, junior high, high school, college, graduate work, wherever it is, make sure you test and think according to God's word, not according to somebody's opinion that might be against God's word. Because your hope and your strength is in the Lord. And make sure you maintain that. <laughs> There's been a lot of people who looked like they were serious about the Lord that went off to schools and ended up in some other area. doesn't have to be that way. And that's not only been true for those who go to college, right? A lot of people that got blown around different places because they weren't grounded in what God has already given us. He's given us everything we need, right, to live a godly life. Well, I've been a little long today, but I'm not going to apologize because we got more to do. All right. One of the great promises that we need to remember is that God has provided our forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's the basis of it all. That's why we monthly come back to remember, all right? Not because there's any magical power in the wafer or the juice, but because it reminds us of where the power is. Power is in the one who did give his body and his blood so that you may be saved, so that you may have forgiveness of sin, so that you may have eternal life, and that you may have the precious promises of God that will get you through this life to the day when we celebrate in glory forever. Pastor Seth, would you come on up here? And all of you take this. Now, you know, we always need a little guidance here. And the guidance is take the top little cellophane off first. Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Because you can't get it after you get the other one. I don't know. At least I can't. So the top one's the wafer. Then there's another one for the juice. Okay. You know, when we take communion, we look at the Last Supper. And thinking about what Pastor Glenn had shared even just today, you know, about how Peter got to see and talk to Jesus face to face. So these disciples sitting with him at the Last Supper got to see him face to face. And he's telling them these things about the breaking of the, the bread and the drinking of his blood. And, and they're still putting all the pieces together. You know, he's told them other things about the temple being destroyed and being rebuilt in three days. And he's told them all these other things. And they were still trying to put all the pieces together. But just like Pastor Glenn's been talking about, we have, even though we don't walk on this earth with Jesus face to face right now, we have the Holy Spirit and we have his word. And we can put those pieces together and know what he was talking about. And look at the greatest promise that we've been given. I'm going to read from Matthew 26, verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. You may take and eat.
So not only was uh, the body of Jesus broken for us, but his blood was shed for us. For Jesus went on to say as they were eating, says Jesus took a cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it, and gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. We are part of the many, and uh, his blood was given for you and me. This cup represents his blood, so as we take it, let's do so with thanksgiving for the fact that his blood washes away all of our sins. Let's pray. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to be our Savior. And we thank you that you have made possible that which was impossible for us to ever pay for our sins, to have a relationship with the Holy God. We also thank you that it is finished and that in you we stand through faith, a faith that has been given to us, but a faith that also needs to grow. So help us. May we live out what Peter prayed for, that we would grow. We would grow in the grace and peace of God through Jesus Christ, that we would grow more and more, as he said, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we close our time of worship together. so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the save the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. 
Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. <laughs> it's uh, giving you what you don't deserve. Yeah. Aren't you glad that God is a gracious God? And he has given us what we need. Not what we deserve, <laughs> but what we need. If I just share Peter's words to you as we go today, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. God bless you. Have a great week.